Hey, this is Pastor John Ryan Cantu from Numa Church in Houston, Texas. Thank you for listening to the message today. I hope that it blesses you and all those that you share it with. God bless you. God bless you this morning, church. How how are we feeling? Amen. I'm gonna need some help. I don't have I don't have some of my loudest ameners in in here. They told me that they weren't gonna be here today. They reached out. They're like, Pastor, I'm not gonna be able to say amen tomorrow. So I'm gonna need some help this morning preaching. Praise God. Are you happy to be here this morning? It's good. It's a privilege to be in the house of God. What other king would just freely invite you into his? home, into his quarters, into his altar, where, where he is, who would invite someone like me? I'm not royalty. I'm not the best. I'm not the greatest. I'm not the most talented, but, but he sees me sometimes as if I'm the only one in the world. That's how he sees you. He zooms in into your life to let you know how Loved and valued you are. Praise God for the God that we have. Amen. Amen. I want to ask that you turn, uh, turn with me to the book of Matthew this morning. We had, a, uh, we had an awesome uh, first service this morning. Uh, Pastor Danny brought a word and he brought, he brought a word. And the Holy Spirit moved and, and that, that same presence is in here, is in this place. And you know, can I just say that the presence is always the same. The presence is, it's the same spirit. Same spirit is in this place Sunday after Sunday, week after week. He is, he is here. The thing that might change is, is the atmosphere. Because we do the atmosphere. We get to choose the mood in which we're going to enter these doors. We get to choose the attitude. We get to choose to participate in what the Holy Spirit has or not participate. So I want to encourage you to set the tone for what is already in this place. Amen. Matthew 8, 23 through 27. And if you have it, you can give me an amen. Man. Man. I need some water, like a lot. That last song, mm, it's a good one. And it says this, Matthew 8, 23 through 27, it says, we, when he got into the boat, uh, his disciples followed him, and behold, there arose a great storm on the sea, so that the boat was being swamped by the seas, but he was asleep. And when he... I'm sorry. And they went and they awoke him saying, save us, Lord, for we are perishing. And he said to them, why are you afraid? Oh, you of little faith. Then he rose and he rebuked the winds and the sea. And there was a great calm. And the men marveled, saying, what sort of man is this that even winds and sea obey him? Amen. One of my shorter passages in a while. (laughs) But there's so much depth here in this, in this tiny little passage that we just read. This, this very short story of Jesus and his disciples at sea. And I've, I've entitled the sermon today, Unseen. I want to talk about faith this morning. Can we talk about faith? Faith 
is the single most important aspect of our Christianity. Hebrews eleven six says that uh, without faith, it is impossible to please God. If you don't have faith, you don't got me. Because it takes faith to believe in an unseen God. Hebrews also says that faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the convictions of things not seen. In other words, even though I can't see it, I know that it's there. Even though, that, even though God is unseen, I still believe that he is with me. Even though the promises don't look to me as if they are unfolding, I believe that it's only a matter of time because if he said it, he's going to do it. It's only a matter of time before the things unseen become seen. Faith is, uh, faith, I wanted to preach on faith because, you know, this has been kind of a word that's kind of been on my heart. I hadn't, I hadn't structured it yet, but it's been on my mind, on my heart for a while because faith is one of those things that is, is, is oftentimes confused with not faith. And we call it faith. And, and my hope this morning is to do a little bit of, of teaching. I want, I want us to be able to walk out of here with a better understanding of practical faith. Because, man, I have heard too many sermons where faith isn't preached right. I've heard too many Christians accuse other Christians of not having enough faith. In fact, some of you might know uh, uh, Doug, Doug Stringer. He's been here at our church before uh, several times. He's an awesome man of God, awesome ministry. And uh, he shared with me one time that when he... Ha- he uh, received his cancer diagnosis. This was a few years back. Um, he made it known that he was going to be taking treatment, you know, chemotherapy, and, and he, he lost a lot of support for his ministry from Christians who, who, who said, do you not have enough faith that you have to undergo treatment? And the topic of faith, I believe, has been used and abused and misused and misunderstood, and it can do damage to the body of Christ when preached and practiced incorrectly. So my hope is to teach something today. I don't just want to preach. I, I, I want to I clear up some misunderstandings on the topic of faith because I believe it's, it's that important. Faith is that important. And the Gospels record several events in which Jesus tells his disciples this one Greek Word oligopistos is the word oligopistos, and 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 throughout you know the Gospels Matthew Mark Luke and John uh, he constantly says it to his disciples oligopistos oligopistos it's one Greek word that translates into the English phrase "O you of little faith." He says it a lot. It's a common theme in the Gospels. Jesus said it in Matthew. 6.30, when he was talking about not worrying about things, don't be anxious for things, don't be anxious about tomorrow, not even the birds in the sky worry about what they are going to eat, how much more should you not have to worry in your provider? Jesus says it again when he rebukes his disciples for not having enough faith to cast out the demon-possessed boy when Jesus was not present with them. Then he says it again when the disciples fail to bring bread on their journey and they're freaking out because like, what are we going to eat? We don't have bread. Jesus said, 
Jesus said it again to Peter when he was walking on the water and then he began to look. He took his eyes off Jesus. He began to look at the seas and the water crashing in front of him. He began to sink and Jesus again said it, Aligapistos. You of little faith. Jesus constantly scorned his disciples for their aligapistos, their little faith, their little faith. Someone say little faith. faith. Isn't it interesting that in Matthew 17, Matthew 17, 20, Jesus talks about the, the amount of faith all one needs to move mountains. He says, if you had the faith the size of a mustard seed, in ancient times, a mustard seed was believed to be the, the, the smallest seed in the world. There's since been uh, smaller ones discovered, but this is the small, one of the smallest seeds in the world. It measures about one to two millimeters in diameter. And, and Jesus was making a point here. The point that he was making is that all you need is a little bit of faith. Jesus went to the smallest seed known to those who he was telling, this is the, all, this is the amount of faith that you need. This, this t- tiny seed is all you need. It's just, it's just a little bit. Just a little bit. That's all you need. So I'm going to say it again. Just a little bit. That's all you need. Just a little bit of salt in those chips, man. You don't, some people, you, I may be going crazy, man. I'll be there like five hours shaking that salt shaker. Just a little bit. A little bit of salt on that taco. Maybe coughing. People think you got Rona. Just a little bit. Just a little bit of faith. It's all you need to be effective. So it's curious to me that Jesus doesn't rebuke his disciples for having zero faith. He says, rather, they have a little faith. Oh, you of just a little bit of faith. Oh, you of little faith. You've got some faith, but it's just a little bit. But isn't just a little bit of faith all we need to move mountains? You're confusing me, Jesus. What are you saying? How many times have we went to God in faith? Just a little bit of faith. Asking for a blessing. How many times have in faith we declared a healing, declared a victory over our life, uh, declared an outcome that we desired? How many times did you exit the year and say, okay, in faith, this is my year. It's going to happen this time. Maybe we don't have all the faith in the world, but isn't it fair to say that, God, I I have enough faith? I have the little bit of faith that you require? So then why does Jesus rebuke his disciples constantly for having just a little bit of faith when all they need is a little bit of faith? Could it be, church, that it's not only the amount of faith that you have, but also the placement of that faith that matters? Can we be honest with ourselves this morning? Can we just look deep into our lives this morning? And can we admit that sometimes we place our faith in the healing rather than the healer? We declare the blessings. We declare the provisions that we hope for as if we hold the authority to provide those things. Too many times we put our faith in the things. It's in the things. And then when we don't get the things that we put our faith into, we question the amount of faith that we, that we have. And we think, well, man, I must be a bad Christian. I, 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 I feel so bad about myself because I, I had the little bit of faith, Jesus, that you say I needed, just a little bit of faith, but I guess it wasn't enough. Could it be that the mistake isn't the amount of faith that you have, but in the placement of that faith? Because all you need is a little bit. Jesus said it. 
All you need is a little bit of faith, just the size of a mustard seed. And then he rebukes his disciples because you just have a little bit of faith. Got to go deeper to understand where. Someone say where. Where, Lord, do you want my faith to be? We, a lot of times, you know, we, we can't see. We can't see the healing that we're asking for, right? We can't see it yet, but we, we declare it. We, we can't see the blessing that we're hoping for, but we declare it. And so by definition, it sounds like we're doing faith right because we are believing in the things unseen, but we've made it about the thing and not about God. <clears throat> My daughter later got her first loose tooth uh, this week right here. Started crying because I was just I was just messing with her, you know. I was like, "Oh, it's gonna hurt." <laughs> and uh, but but now she's kind of she's kind of excited. And, you know, I I told her, you know, straight up, if there's any kids in here, you might want to just plug their ears. But I, I I just let her know, like, "Hey, there's no tooth fairy. We're not gonna do this tooth fairy thing, right? Like, there's no tooth fairy, All right? <laughs> I I know, I know, I know. But 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 I but I and I mean, she wasn't like. She didn't think there was a tooth fairy. I didn't like burst her bubble. I was just telling her like, hey, there's this thing that people say. It's a tooth fairy. It doesn't really exist. And, and um, um, you, you guys do what y'all want with, y'all, with y'all's kids, okay? But, but, but uh, uh, I, I, I told her, but just because, you know, there's no tooth fairy, you know, mommy and daddy are the, are the tooth fairy, right? And so she got really excited when I said that um, because, you know, she knows that, that not, maybe not so much mommy, but daddy kind of spoils her a little bit. So immediately she asked me as a tooth fairy to put a million dollars under her pillow. I mean, when I said, when I said I'm, I'm the tooth fairy, she was like, oh, okay, can you put a million dollars? I kid you not. She's, I mean, she went for the big stuff right there. A million dollars. She always goes for the big ask with me. And she's so confident that she's going to get the things that she wants because daddy will buy it. Daddy will get it. Sometimes mommy says no, and she's like, daddy will get it. <laughs> and and uh, Melissa says she's got me wrapped around her finger. It's probably true. But sometimes I do have to sit down with Layla, and, and, and I I'm, I'm just tell her, like, hey, just because you expect me to give you something doesn't mean I'm, I'm going to give it to you. And, you know, she's got complete faith in me as her dad. But she also shares some of that faith with her own desires, and so sometimes we go to God in the same way. We, we have complete faith that he can do it, but we also have faith that he will do it when he didn't say that he was going to do it. And so a lot of times we put ourselves in the position of God demanding things from God that he never said he was going to give to us. And I have the faith that he can do it, but having the faith that he can and having the faith that he will are two different Things because a lot of times the, the faith that we have that he will do something is from our own will, not his. If God said it, you could take it to the bank. It's going to happen, church. I don't care how long it takes. It's going to happen. Sarah was in her 90s when she finally had her first child. God said it. If God says it, it's going to happen. But if your faith is in that, that God is going to say it 
and then going to do it because you said it first, then your faith is in your own desires. I don't know. This is not one of those messages that people like to hear. But it's truth. And it's got to be preached. If faith solely worked in our favor all the time, we would all be wealthy. I would be declaring every lotto ticket because it wouldn't be gambling. I'd be declaring the winnings. (laughs) We'd all be wealthy. Our sufferings would only be short-lived. We would never lack in anything. Every battle with cancer would be won. Everyone would be a Christian as a result of how faith worked for them. That is not faith. God doesn't want us to make it about the situation. He wants you to make it about him. That even though I'm in the situation, declaring that I'm not in the situation is, is, is not going to help anything. That's not what God wants you to realize. God wants to, you to realize that even though you are in that situation, he has not left you. He is still commander. He is still in control and sovereign of that storm that you are in. And even though I don't know where you're taking me and I don't like how it looks, I'm going to trust in you because you alone, you alone can do all the things. And so, you know, this this reminds me of this story where Jesus, he gets after his disciples again. Again, he uses that word oligapistas, oligapistas. Oh, you have little faith. You got some faith, but just, just a little bit of faith, but it's not placed right. And, and the story is when the disciples, they go out and they try to cast out a demon by themselves. Jesus is not present. He's, he's, he's stepped away to pray. And, and so it's just the disciples there. And this man brings his, his boy who's, who's been tormented with this demon. And I imagine the disciples, you know, they've seen Jesus do this many, many times before. They've they've watched him cast out demons. They have been walking with Jesus for a while now. This is all they do. They just go around healing, preaching, teaching, casting out demons. This is not their first rodeo, but it's the first time they're going to do it by themselves. And so I imagine that the disciples, they go into this situation thinking, okay, we, we got this. You know, let's, let's be cool, right? We got it under control. We've seen how Jesus does this. We've seen the process. Maybe they, they knew all the same words that Jesus used, right? I command you to come out now. Maybe they called the demon by name. They tried to recall the process by which Jesus casted out the demons. And so their faith wasn't in God. It was in, it was in the process. It was in the formula. Right? It was in the it was in the step by step process. Get it out, Peter. What do we got to do first? Oh, first we got to get the oil. Get the oil. Get the oil, Thomas. I got the oil, Peter. Okay, now what? Okay, now we got now we got to look at the demon in the eye. We got to call him by name. We have to say, "I command you," and then boom, that's it. He should be he should be done. He should be good. But they failed to realize. They 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 failed to do it. They failed to do it. And Jesus said, "Oh, you of little faith." What are you talking about, Jesus? Mark, Mark, the gospel of Mark suggests that they, they didn't only misplace their faith, but they also lacked prayer and fasting. 
They, they, they completely missed a very important step in which they had to go to the father first because he holds the authority. Not the process. Not the list. Not what the experts say. God the father. Your faith is not going to work if you haven't even had a conversation with God about the issue. Because it means that you're not putting your faith in God, you're putting it in something else. I want to tell somebody this morning not to place your faith in things. Don't place them in outcomes. Don't place them in desires. Place it in God and God alone. There's a danger to all of this. Placing your faith in tangible things can actually ruin your faith in the intangible God. If we place our faith you know, in things, then, then those things can just as easily take away our faith, right? That's what happened here in this passage. In this passage, Jesus and his disciples, they're in a boat. And Jesus, he's exhausted. All he's doing is teaching every day, preaching every day, healing the sick, praying for people. Man, if you've ever prayed for a person, especially at the altar, man, it is, it is hard. It's an ab workout, especially with a mask on, because you want them to hear you. And so you're yelling. <laughs> and so I imagine Jesus just doing ministry 24-7. He is, he's exhausted. And so he goes on the boat, and, and he, he, takes, he takes a nap. He takes a nap. Have you ever felt like God has just taken a nap in your life? <laughs> Do you ever just feel like he just he kind of... You just step back a little bit, not sure when he's going to be back. I want you to imagine being the disciples for a second. You know, you're constantly walking with Jesus every day. You're, lean, you're leaning on his provision. You don't have to worry about anything. It's like, it's like a child and his, and his mother, child and his dad. I don't, I don't have to, you know, I'm, right now, Layla has it nice. Layla has it good because, you know, she, she loves, you know, she loves Ellie. She loves her sister. But she, she doesn't have to be responsible for her. <laughs> and so she doesn't need to pack the diaper bag. She doesn't need to change the diaper. Every, every day, actually, she tells us, Dad, you know, we made a deal. I'll help you with everything. I'm never changing a diaper, right? And, and, but she doesn't, she, doesn't, she doesn't feed her. She doesn't, you know, think about how many diapers she needs. And, and we just go out and Layla's like, hey, I'm, I'm totally cool. You know, I'm, I'm with my parents. Uh, our, Ellie's totally cool because she doesn't have to worry about anything. Everything that she would worry about, it's actually our burden. Right. And so I imagine the disciples the same way. Like, we don't have to worry about anything. We're with we're with God. You know, like we're, we're literally walking with him. You know, if we don't have any food, he's just going to like snap his fingers and boom, we're going to have a, a, a nice juicy steak right in front of us. Like it's, it's like, I don't have to worry about anything. And, and now in, in this moment, they, they, they go on the boat and Jesus says, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to take a nap. What? <laughs> going to leave us? Who's going to watch me? <laughs> Who's going to watch me? As a dad, I would love to take a nap, man. I would love to be able to take a nap whenever I wanted to. Amen. Praise, praise God for those naps before children. And, uh, and uh, you now we have a little seven-month-old that, that I have to watch. Sometimes Melissa works, and, and I'm, I'm, with, you know, I'm with the kids. And i got to make sure that she doesn't get a hold of anything that she can put in her mouth. You know, we don't want her to choke on anything. We don't want her to fall off the bed, anything like that. So i gotta, I got to be awake, right? 
I don't have to worry about those things with Layla. You know, Layla, she's almost five years old. She's a very responsible little girl. I can trust her to, to be okay if I take a nap. But, but, but I, I, I trust her to do that. Jesus trusted these disciples. There was, there was something about them that he didn't feel like he had to be on watch every hour of the night. He was like, you guys will be okay if I take a nap. He didn't feel the need to watch their every move. Church, when God steps back from your life, maybe it's because he knows that you're mature enough to handle a few things with the wisdom that he's already given you. Maybe he knows that you can manage a few things because you've reached a certain level of of maturity. Why would God grant wisdom if we could just go to him every single time we needed an answer, what would the point of wisdom be? Why give us wisdom? Why give us wisdom if we weren't going to use it? It's because sometimes God will step back. God does let you live your life without giving you a step-by-step plan on where he wants you to go. Faith comes in when we realize that even though God may not be hovering over our situation, he's still there. He hasn't left you. So Jesus takes a nap. He leaves the boat in the care of these fishermen, right? Surely they've dealt with the seas before. Surely they, if there's a few waves, they can, they can handle it, right? Without the direct presence of Jesus. And the text says, verse 24, And behold, there arose a great storm on the sea, so that the boat was being swamped by the, sea, by, by the waves. But he was asleep. He was asleep. While all of this was happening, Jesus was asleep. I want you, I want you to... See something. Jesus displayed here in this moment the very thing that he wished his disciples would would have lived out. That in the midst of a storm where the only thing that is surrounding you is is the the very water that can kill you. And there's no place to go. You are stuck until the the water's calm or, or, or you can find an escape. That's what terrified the disciples. Meanwhile, Jesus was asleep. He was at peace. He didn't care that they were in a storm. He was totally chill. He wasn't tossing and turning. He was, he was asleep. He was knocked out. If you've ever been in a season of trial, man, you know that it's not very easy to sleep. It's hard to sleep sometimes. It's hard because your mind is just racing. It's focusing on the thing. It's focusing on the thing. And so you can't sleep. How hard is it to sleep in the midst of a storm? Jesus was doing it. Because Jesus had faith in his father. He had faith in himself because he knew who his authority came from. He understood the power that he possessed. Jesus knew that everything was under control. Can I tell somebody this morning, everything is under control. Everything, everything is under control. When we show a lack of faith, it's because we see everything as if it's out of control. We look at the world and we're like, "Ah, I don't know. I ain't going out there. That's scary out there. What's going to happen after these elections? Ah, I don't know. I don't know if I want to be here. Moving to Mexico or something. So much uncertainty. That's, that's been like the word of the year. So much uncertainty. God is still control. He's still in control. And when we show that lack of faith, it's because we see the thing as if it's out of control. And again, this is the danger of putting faith in things. 
because sometimes those things will be very visible, very real, very scary. Whether it's a mountain, whether it's a giant or a valley or the coronavirus or, or the elections or a storm. The things affect your faith. The things. And verse 25 says, they went to, they went to him, they, they went to wake him. Save us, Lord, we are perishing. We're perishing. Mark's account says, do you not care? That we are about to drown. Do you not care, teacher? You see, they were focusing on the thing again. They were focusing on the storm. And that thing, the storm, deterred their faith. They had the faith. Jesus wakes up, he says, Oh, you have little faith. You just have a little bit of faith, but you've placed it wrong. Your faith is in what you're looking at. Your faith is in what you see. Your faith is not in the unseen God. You're doing it wrong. You're doing it wrong. They were focusing on the storm. It's almost as if they didn't have faith in their God. They had faith that that they would be okay as long as everything was okay. As long as the storm was calm, we would be okay. As long as there's money in the bank, I'm going to be okay. As long as my credit is good, I'll be okay. As long as nothing changes in my life, I'll be okay. As long as I have a job, I'll be okay. As long as this, I'll be okay. We put our faith in the thing. And if the thing is okay, then we'll be okay. Why do we put our faith in the things that we can see when we know that faith is about what cannot be seen. The disciples immediately focus on what was right in front of them, the storm. The storm. Look at the storm. And where's Jesus? Their focus was on on the thing that they could see and then on the thing that they could not see. Jesus. Where's Jesus? Where you at in the storm? And Jesus wakes up I think it's funny that before he, before he even rebukes the storm, he rebukes his disciples. <laughs> Their faith was more out of control than the waters were. I got to address this first. He rebukes their faith. Maybe you're in a place this morning, church, where, where you, you, you haven't been feeling the warmth of God's presence in your life. Can we, can, we, can we say that that happens sometimes? Like sometimes we feel like God has just dropped us off somewhere in the middle of the night, in the desert, like just totally gangster, right? Like he just dropped us off like, what you, what you doing, God? And, and, and we wonder where he's at. We wonder if he's, if he's coming back. And you're, you're feeling, maybe you're not feeling the warmth of God's presence, God's peace in your life, but you are feeling the very real situation that you're in, that you're passing through. Because it's real. You can touch it. You can, you can see it. And your faith has been shaped by the thing that you're, you're going through rather than the unseen God. And can I just encourage you this morning to just redirect, redirect your faith this morning. 
Redirect it. Don't don't bow down to fear. You know that 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 phrase, don't tell God how big your your problems are. Tell your problems how big your God is. The disciples did the opposite. They wake up Jesus saying, teacher, look, look, look at what happened while you were asleep. Look at the waters. We're going to die. Look, I mean, look, get failed. And Jesus rebuked them. He rebuked them because they failed to put their faith in their God because for a moment they weren't able to see Jesus working. You're not always going to be able to see Jesus working. The fact is you have to know that he is working. They couldn't be at peace even though they knew that God was in control. And church, you know, sometimes it's so, it's so hard to walk by faith. I'm the worship team come up. And, and, and Pastor Danny, he preached this morning. He, kinda, he was kind of saying some of the same things. It, it, it's hard to walk by faith. And, and I, I like what he said. He said, when you wake up in the morning and, and you're, you're going through something and you know that it, within an hour into your day, you're going to have to face that giant. You're going to have to face that thing that you're going through. And it's so hard to do that and walk in faith. And not by sight, because that's in reality, that's the way that we walk is by seeing. If I were up here with my eyes closed, I I wouldn't be able to move around for fear of falling off. In life, we walk by what we see. But the word of God says, I don't want you to walk by what you see. I want you to walk by faith. I want you to walk by what you don't see. And. I, you know, I, I think that when we try to grasp this, this, con- this concept, I think it's very easy to do, um, but I don't think that we go far enough. What, what do I mean by this? I saw this illustration one time when I was in youth. I, it was at a youth camp, and uh, the, the, the topic was walking by faith and not by sight. And they tried to illustrate it. So, so what they had, they, they had one, one uh, kid on, on one side of, of the stage and he was blindfolded and they had a whole bunch of obstacles here on the stage, a whole bunch of you know, boxes and, and stuff and the objective was to get on the other side. On the other side, there was a guy with a microphone and he, his job was to get the blindfolded boy to the other side without knocking over all of these obstacles, right? Obviously, he represented God. That's what it essentially means, right? To walk by faith, listening to God. Maybe I don't, maybe I don't have the sight, but I, but I can hear. But in life, it's not that simple. Not that simple, right, Pastor B? If only, if only if that were, it were that simple, if only God was holding a microphone, yelling, Turn right. Turn left. Oh, take, take a step back. Oh, oh you're going to knock it down. Just go back, go back, go back. If only if that were easy. But what about when God isn't speaking directly into the mic? What, a, what about when God has, has, has stepped back? That illustration would be a lot harder to do if the guy didn't actually have a microphone. 
And in life, that's kind of the reality of our faith. Jesus isn't walking physically side by side with us. The disciples had to learn this. They had to learn it. They had to learn how to do things while Jesus was not present. That's why many times he would step away and allow them to take over. And they would fail. And Jesus would get after them. Oligopastis. Oligopistas. You of little faith. Just a little bit of faith. What are you doing? Get it right. Jesus would teach these lessons because he knew that that very soon he was he was not going to be around physically anymore and and the disciples were going to have to learn how to do things truly without seeing them truly without being able to see the divine being standing and walking in front of them with with every word being fed to them with every direction being fed to them they had to learn something about faith And I fear that too many times we retract on what the disciples eventually learned because we put our faith in the things instead of the unseen God. The disciples had to stop learning how to have faith in the wrong things and rather the unseen, sovereign, in control, never failing, loving, perfect, all-powerful, all-gracious, all-giving, all all knowledgeable God we can't see it I can't touch it sometimes we can't feel it can't hear it but I know that he's there even when I see the storm in front of me even when I see the enemies coming for me even when I see the things that that are endangering me even when I see that where I'm walking in front of is is going to lead to my demise I am going to continue forward because I know that he is in control even though I can't see it my faith is not in the things my faith is in he my God Church, sometimes you're going to go, you're going to be in the storm. You are going to be in it, in the middle of it. You're going to be in that midnight hour. You're not going to know what to do. You're not going to know what to do. And so you might start to do the things that you heard other people do. You start looking at the storm and you start fighting the storm. (laughs) Get back. I rebuke the storm. And God's like, I put you there for a reason. Don't don't rebuke where I placed you. Because I'm trying to get you to trust in me. I'm trying to get you to stop looking down and start looking up, even though you can't see me. That is the way that faith works. That is how we move mountains. And praise God, it just takes a little bit of it. But it's got to be placed right. It's got to be placed in him. Church, sometimes God is not going to give you the answer of every escape, of every suffering. But he wants you to know this morning that he remains in control of your situation, of your midnight, of your desert, of your suffering, of your your sickness. And if you're in it, it might be because he allowed you to go through it. I need someone this morning 
to stop having faith in things and start putting all of that faith in God and God alone. Someone stand with me. Thanks for listening. If you'd like some more information on Numa Church, visit us on our website at mynumachurch.org. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe or share it with your friends on social media and tag us at mynumachurch. Thanks again and God bless.